At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Listen to that crunch. Oh. Mmm. They are so Moorish. Hey, welcome to Play Me a Recipe. I'm Lara Lee, author of Indonesian cookbook Coconut and Sambal. I'm an Indonesian Australian chef, and today you might hear a little sound of running feet from my toddler Jonah and my husband Nick chasing after him, and perhaps a little bark from my dog Tuxedo because I'm cooking from my kitchen in London today and we are in lockdown. But I am excited to be making one of my favorite recipes from the book. It's chicken nasi goreng, which is a bold and aromatic Indonesian fried rice dish. And it's my ultimate comfort food, something that I grew up eating thanks to my grandmother's home cooking. And it's also something that Indonesians will eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Now you can find the recipe linked in the show notes and on food52.com. So we're going to cook this together. I'm going to start by gathering all of my ingredients and equipment, and we'll be slicing, dicing, stir frying, and doing everything in between, plus a little chit chat along the way. So feel free to pause or jump back using the podcast chapters if you need a little more time. But for now, let's get cooking. So for those that haven't got their rice ready yet, I'm going to show you how to make perfect rice using the steaming method inside of a saucepan. Obviously, if you have a rice cooker or you've already done this bit, you can skip this part. But I'm going to add about 120 grams or half a cup of raw white rice into my bowl. And we're going to wash it underwater until the water runs clear. So I like to kind of mix it together in the bowl with my fingers. You can see the starch rising from the rice. And generally speaking, you can wash it, you know, a few times in the bowl and that should do the trick. I like to pour it into a sieve and then pop it back into the bowl and wash it again. Water's looking a little clearer this time. So let me explain to you why we uh, want the rice to be cooled down before we cook it. Well, the reason for that is because uh, if you do use freshly cooked rice uh, when you're making your nasi goreng, the rice will just become quite soggy when you mix it together with the sauce and everything together. So, you know, this dish, nasi goreng, was really born out of using leftover rice. 
And uh, when we cooked it at home with my family, um, the reason we ate it so often was because we would eat rice with every meal. And my Indonesian grandmother, you know, didn't want to waste anything. I mean, who does? So whenever we had leftover rice, uh, you know, she would make nasi goreng the very next day. And it's such a wonderful way to use up leftovers. But um, if you don't have leftover rice, the ideal uh, would be to then either cook it the day before or to cook it um, a few hours in advance, let it cool down, and then you can use it. Okay, my water is finally clear. So now I'm gonna pop my rice into my saucepan. Now obviously now that I've washed the rice, there's a little bit of water still clinging to the rice. So don't worry about that, that's okay, because we're gonna measure out our water and the ratio for rice to water when I do it with this method is you times the weight by 1.5. So for example, in this instance, I'm using 120 grams of raw rice, uh, which is half a cup. So I am going to add 180 mils because that's 120 times 1.5, so 180 mils of water to the saucepan. So I'm just going to pour that in. Uh, if you're using cup measurements, then um, that would be, uh, I think, three quarters of a cup of water that you would, you would add in. So I'm going to add a little pinch of salt to bring out the lovely flavor into the pot. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to pop the rice onto the hob. And I'm going to bring the rice to uh, the water to a gentle boil. And uh, what I'm going to do is once the uh, water starts to bubble at the edges and, you know, not a furious boil, but starts to, you know, gently bubble at the edges, then I'm going to turn the heat down to low and I'm going to put some foil over the top of the saucepan to create a nice tight seal and pop a lid on top of that. And that's going to uh, steam our rice in a really beautiful way. And we're gonna do that for 15 minutes and then turn the heat off and leave the rice for 10 minutes. We're coming back to the point where I left you before and that was to let the rice cool down for a few hours. So it's nice and cool. And what we're going to do now is to start on our mise en place or our food preparation because cooking nasi goreng is actually very, very quick. It all happens quickly inside of the wok or the frying pan. So what you want to do is have all of your vegetables and aromatics prepped beforehand. So the whole process when you're cooking becomes really seamless. So the first thing I'm going to chop is a shallot. I've got one shallot here. Uh, it weighs about two ounces, like I mentioned before, or about uh, 50 grams. So I'm just gonna peel off the skin. And in uh, the UK where I'm based, we have a lot of banana shallots. You can also use uh, Thai shallots or small shallots. Uh, think more about the weight of the shallot rather than vari the variety. Uh, and if you can't find shallots, you can even substitute it with uh, you know onions if you need to. So again, around two ounces or 50 grams of onion will do the trick. Um, now I am uh, thinly slicing my shallot. And I'm gonna pop the shallot 
uh, onto a plate. What I'm creating is something that um, I learned off a, a good chef friend of mine. His name is Jeremy Pang and he calls uh, the mise en place prep that I'm about to teach you, he calls it a wok clock. So essentially you're going to prep all of your ingredients and put them in a uh, clock pattern onto a plate so you know exactly what you're going to pop into the pan next. So I've got my shallots at 12 o'clock <laughs> on my wok clock and I'm going to uh, chop next my uh, garlic cloves. So I've just peeled the garlic skin off and I've chopped the kind of woody end off the end of the garlic. And I'm just going to thinly slice the garlic clove. And you only need to, if you, you know, don't chop it fine enough, you can give it an another little go over with the knife. I'm just popping my garlic cloves at one o'clock on my wok clock. And next I've got my uh, ginger. I'm using ginger today uh, because my local supermarket didn't have gallon gal, but you can use gallon gal. So the way that I prepare my ginger, I just peel the skin with a little teaspoon. It just comes right off so easily. And it means that you're not wasting uh, any of the ginger. Now, I know in some, uh, you know, uh, kitchens, people don't even peel the skin, but certainly in Indonesia, uh, we do peel the skin uh, if we're using it in the way that I'm using it, which is to, you know, really finely chop it. Uh, if you were to use the ginger um, as an aromatic, so if you were just going to add some thick slices to add a little bit of ginger flavor, but, you know, not going to eat the slices, then you can leave the skin on in that case. But in this instance, we're gonna peel the skin of the ginger. So I'm just gonna cut it into thin slices first. Then I'm gonna go over it again, chopping them into thin little matchsticks. And the reason I'm not grating my ginger is because I'm cooking the nasi goreng at, you know, a medium, medium high heat. And I don't want the grated ginger to burn. So the reason I'm chopping it is just to make sure that, you know, when I'm uh, stir frying the aromatics at the beginning of cooking, that the ginger just stays nice uh, and we don't get a burnt flavor through the nasi goreng. Now, galangal can be a little bit harder to chop sometimes as well. So if you're finding that your galangal is a little bit hard to chop, you can always uh, cut it into thin slices, uh, if you can, and uh, soak it in some hot water and that's going to help you uh, chop it if you're finding it a little bit difficult. And I'm just going over the ginger back and forth. Uh, I call this a cross chop. So kind of scraping it into the board, cutting it nice and fine, scraping it off my knife so I get every little last bit of that ginger. And you'll find ingredients like ginger and galangal used a lot in Indonesian cooking, uh, it just adds so much fragrance and you know, fragrance in Indonesian cooking is a really important part. It's very sensory Indonesian cookery. So when you kind of think of cooking in Indonesia, you have like the aroma of, you know, things like makrut lime leaf or ginger or garlic or shallots kind of filling the air or lemongrass. Uh, and then you've got the colors, you know, chili popping off the plate, you know, lovely greens and you know, they've got the crunch, the sound of, you know, crackers or uh, fried, uh, fried, you know, fritters as you're eating. So it's very, very sensory uh, when you think of Indonesian food. So I've just popped my chopped ginger at two o'clock 
on my wok clock. And uh, next we're going to get to our green beans and our scallions. So I'll chop my scallions or spring onions first. I've got two of them here. I'm just cutting off the root. And then I'm just going to chop my spring onions into large chunks, probably about uh, an inch and a half long or so. Um, so you don't need to chop it too fine. I'm going to pop that at uh, roughly about three or four o'clock on my wok clock. So we're going in a clockwise direction. Then I've got my handful of green beans here and I'm just going to chop that into kind of smaller chunks. So thinking kind of like, let's say about kind of half an inch or so. And I mentioned before, you really can substitute uh, a lot of the ingredients in this recipe for whatever you've got in your pantry. But I do think it's important to keep the shallots, the garlic and the ginger and the sauce as is. But in terms of, you know, using scallions or spring onions or the green beans, you know, you can switch and swap that for pak choy, bok choy, choy sum, uh, you know, whatever you really got going in your fridge. So I'm just popping the green beans onto my wok clock. We've now hit kind of the six o'clock to eight o'clock part of the wok clock. And then uh, I'm also going to pop on a little plate here, a little bowl, uh, just a quarter of a teaspoon of ground turmeric. Now turmeric uh, can be quite overpowering if you use too much of it. So a quarter of a teaspoon is just the perfect amount. Uh, but yeah, it can make your food taste a little bitter if you overuse it. So always be careful when you're using uh, ground turmeric like this. So I'm just popping that on my wok clock in a little plate uh, at nine o'clock. Uh, and now I'm going to make my sauce. I like to pre-mix my sauce in a little bowl before we get to the stir frying stage. Then you can kind of plop the sauce all in one into the pan. So um, I'm going to measure out uh, two tablespoons of ketchup manis into my bowl. And ketchup manis is just wonderful. Ketchup means uh, sauce, essentially, in Bahasa Indonesian, uh, the Indonesian language. And manis means sweet. Uh, and ketchup manis is really syrupy. It's got caramel and smoke flavors. And essentially, it's made with soybeans and palm sugar. Uh, or coconut sugar, and it's infused often with garlic, star anise, ginger, galangal, chili, and it is absolutely delicious. So do try and get your hands on it if you can. Um, I'm also going to add to our sauce bowl uh, two teaspoons of light soy sauce. And finally, just one and a half teaspoons of fish sauce. And in it goes. And then a little pinch of white pepper. Indonesians love to use white pepper in a lot of their cooking. So a little bit of white pepper goes into the sauce bowl. I'm just gonna give that sauce a little stir just to combine everything together. And then let's set that aside. And finally, I'm just gonna thinly slice the red chili for my garnish. And I'm just going to pop that as the final part of my wok clock. It's going in at 11 o'clock. So I've got all of my ingredients set up there. Now um, I'm going to prep our chicken. Prepping the chicken is really easy. I'm just going to pop the chicken thighs uh, onto a uh, meat board. 
And I'm just going to chop the chicken into some bite-sized pieces. So um, I've got a bowl ready to go so I can pop the pieces of chicken uh, into there. So just a little, little chop. And I love, uh, or I prefer using chicken thigh um, when cooking stir fries like this because chicken breasts can often dry out. Uh, when you're cooking stir fries or noodles and the chicken thigh just uh, has so much flavor but it also just retains a real juiciness it's very hard to overcook a chicken thigh um, so I really I really do prefer it for cooking in recipes like this and you know when you're in Indonesia you know there's lots of different varieties of nasi goreng depending on where you might travel uh, what region you're in um, because you know there are many different religions within Indonesia. Uh, in some areas, they don't eat pork, for example. Um, but this particular recipe is inspired by um, really the nasi goreng my grandmother used to make for me, but also uh, quite often I would um, uh, visit some restaurants and they would serve nasi goreng with chicken satay and uh, a little bit of peanut sauce on the side. So I'm just gonna wash my hands. Okay. The chicken is now in a bowl. Giving my hands a good wash. And I'm just going to season the chicken just with a little bit of uh, salt and white pepper. And that's going to give the chicken a nice amount of, you know, flavor just before we cook it. Just popping the salt in. Beautiful. I'm just going to give my kitchen surface a little clean down and then we're ready to cook our nasi goreng. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hard-working hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. So I've cleaned down the kitchen and now I've got my wok on the hob. I'm just going to pop my pan onto a high heat and adding a tablespoon of oil into the pan. I'm using a really lovely coconut oil, but you can use any kind of neutral oil. Just don't use olive oil because the flavor of the olives actually will overpower and uh, not complement the flavors in the nasi goreng. So we're gonna get our pan nice and hot. And the first thing we always cook when we cook something like uh, nasi goreng is to cook the protein. Now you can switch the chicken in this recipe for uh, tempeh, tofu, prawns, beef, lamb, whatever protein you're really feeling. Uh, and if you wanted to make the recipe vegetarian, you could switch the fish sauce for a vegetarian fish sauce and it becomes um, uh, vegan if you uh, lose the fried egg as well. So it's a great kind of versatile recipe as well. Um, and we want to cook off our chicken first because 
we'll cook it and then we're going to remove it from the pan and then cook everything else and return the chicken back to the pan later. But it's always kind of best practice to cook that protein first, whether you're using prawns or chicken uh, or whatever you might use. So I'm just going to wait for the oil to start shimmering. And I mentioned before about there being lots of variations of nasi goreng. So you can have nasi goreng uh, kambing, which is with uh, goat meat. Uh, you can have nasi goreng chumi with squid. Um, there's also a nasi goreng uh, called nasi goreng gila, and that means crazy fried rice, which I just love. And it's uh, usually served in Jakarta, and it is essentially a fried rice that is served with everything and anything. It could be served with slices of bakso, which is a meatball. It could have sausages in it. It could have, you know, different types of offal. Um, anything goes in that crazy fried rice. So that is a real fun dish to try uh, if you ever head to Jakarta. So my oil is nice and hot and shimmering. Uh, this pan gets hot really quickly. So I'm going to pop my chicken into the pan. You should hear a nice sizzle. And I'm just going to move my chicken around the pan. Now I've cut my chicken into bite-sized pieces. So this cooking off part should only take, you know, three or four minutes or so. So I'm just going to move it around the pan. And so, you know, it's really uh, great in Indonesia when you're traveling all around, uh, you'll essentially see nasi goreng in every region and island you visit. There's uh, 17 and a half thousand islands in Indonesia. 6,000 of them are populated. And the food is very uh, diverse. It's very regional. 88% um, of the population is Muslim, so a lot of the areas don't eat pork, but areas like Bali, which is a Hindu island, does eat pork, for example. So you get a lot of variation in uh, the types of food that people eat. Um, Indonesia's been a trade route for a thousand years. So there's been culinary influences in different areas from the Middle East or from the Dutch, you know, Portuguese, Spanish, Europe, um, from the Chinese, of course, Malaysia, um, and so on. And, uh, and, and with those traders, they brought different kind of spices and flavor profiles. And so you'll often find a lot of the different kinds of nasi gorengs uh, around Indonesia. And in fact, many of the dishes will be influenced by what uh, kind of um, different traders traded through that area historically. But nasi goreng is a, uh, one of the five national dishes of Indonesia um, because it is considered a dish that is eaten all over the archipelago. Um, some of the other dishes that are considered a national dish, um, one is soto, which is a really fragrant Indonesian uh, soup. Uh, can be made with beef or chicken, or there are a whole bunch of varieties. Again, very regional dish. Uh, another one is uh, gado gado, which is a cooked vegetable salad uh, served with a beautiful creamy peanut sauce. And I'm just looking at this chicken. It's 
nelly there. We're just going to keep stirring it a little bit longer. Uh, Sate is another of uh, Indonesia's national dishes. So, uh, you know, I think most people would have heard of chicken sate with peanut sauce, but sate isn't always served with peanut sauce. It can be served with a sambal. It can stand on its own. It can be served with achar, which is a kind of pickle. There's a whole bunch of ways to, to serve sate. And rendang is the uh, other national dish, which is a, oh my goodness, if you haven't tried rendang, you really must. It is from Padang, or the West Sumatran, uh, West Sumatran region, um, from the Minangkabau people. And it is essentially a uh, caramelized beef dish. You can't really call it a curry, because it goes uh, beyond what you would consider to be a standard curry because the sauce that it is cooked in, it's made of coconut milk and I'm just taking the chicken out of the pan by the way. The sauce that it is cooked in, coconut milk and a beautiful spice paste, is cooked for like three to six hours uh, slowly with you know chunks of stewing beef. I'm just going to add another tablespoon to the pan by the way to cook our aromatics. And uh, over time, uh, that time the coconut milk kind of begins to evaporate, the coconut oil splits from the coconut milk and you end up with a beautiful um, sauce that has uh, evaporated so much that the coconut oil is all that's left in a lovely sediment and the oil starts to fry the remaining chunks of now tender and juicy beef. It is a must and uh, yeah, definitely try rendang. Um, there's a really great recipe for it in my book as well if you want to try and cook it at home. So I'm now putting my uh, wok onto a medium high heat. That's because I don't want my aromatics to burn and I'm now going to start to use my wok clock. So starting at 12 o'clock with my shallots, I'm putting my shallots, garlic and ginger in the pan. And so the shallots, garlic and ginger are going in. I always love hearing that sizzle in the pan. It's a very satisfying and soothing sound. Kind of like the white noise that I played to my baby when he was little. <laughs> so this is the point where you're going to continually stir the pan. So I'm going to fry off my aromatics of the shallot, the garlic and the ginger until it becomes fragrant. So this is only going to take a couple of minutes. I don't want it to burn, so you want to watch your pan just to regulate the heat. And you'll notice I didn't wipe out the pan uh, after I cooked the chicken. We can kind of cook the aromatics and some of that residual chicken fat that came off the chicken thighs. But the chicken thighs are out of the pan now, by the way, so I've set the chicken aside. And I'm just moving everything around the pan. And so in Indonesia, they have this kind of word that I love uh, that was used so often whenever I was learning to cook from home cooks over there. Because when I was writing coconut and sambal, um, I traveled for six months in Indonesia, uh, learning from members of my own family and from different home cooks all around the different islands, you know, from Java, Sulawesi, Timor, Bali, Sumatra, and so on. And... Uh, there's kind of a point in every cooking session where the home cook 
would bow their head to the, the walk and kind of breathe in the fragrance coming from the walk. And the, and the word they would use is wangi. It means kind of like perfume or fragrance. And it's such a lovely word because it really just summed up that kind of beautiful you know, flavor. It's a, it's a flavor that fills the air that you can almost see because it is just so powerful and, and the good kind of pungent. Um, and, you know, I would always look forward to that moment where you just bow your head to the pan. So I encourage you to do that now. Bow your head to the pan, breathe in, and it is just oh, beautiful. And I am getting fragrance now, which means I am now going to add my scallions or spring onions and uh, my green beans and also my ground turmeric and this next kind of addition to the to the pan it's only going to take a minute so i'm just going to continue moving everything around that pan never stop moving and for the next minute of stirring, we're just trying to take the edge off the ingredients I've just added. So we're just trying to get them to, you know, soften a little bit in the pan. We're still on like a medium, medium high heat. And this is the point where, you know, you want to get your rice ready. So you've already cooked and cooled your rice, importantly. And we're going to re-add the rice to the pan. So, I'm going to add my rice now. Now, because your rice has cooled down, it might have gotten a little bit clumpy. So, I want you to break up the clumps in the pan. You can kind of hear me kind of patting away. Pat, pat, pat. Breaking up those clumps in the pan. You want every single grain to sing its own song. just breaking up those clumps and I'm just combining everything together still breaking up those clumps but we're beginning to look really good and it's beginning to look like fried rice now which is great so I'm now going to return my chicken to the pan our clumps are now unclumped And now I'm going to add my sauce that we've very cleverly prepared earlier. I'm going to pour that in and make sure you scrape every last bit of that sauce out of that bowl. And now this is just a matter of warming everything through. Now this is when we begin to multitask because I'm now going to fry my egg. I'm going to turn the heat down to low on my nasi goreng. I'm getting out my second fry pan. And let's get frying those eggs. So I'm popping my frying pan for the eggs onto a medium high heat. And I'm going to add a tablespoon of oil. And the way we're going to fry our eggs for this part of the dish is we want it to be frilly, crispy on the edges. So the way to do this, if you follow this technique, you're gonna get a really nice uh, crispy fried egg with the, the crispy edges. It might be frilly 
and uh, the whites will be cooked, but the yolk will still be somewhat runny. And I love that moment where you cut into the egg yolk and it luxuriously oozes into the rest of the nasi goreng. It's my favorite part. So this pan heats up real quick, which is great. So I've got two eggs here. I'm gonna crack them into my pan. There we go. Second egg goes in. Oh yeah. And you can hear that really nice kind of crispy crackling sound. That's what you want to hear because my edges are getting kind of a nice kind of frilly edge by doing this. So we're going to cook this for like about two to three minutes until the whites are pretty much nearly cooked. Now, if you still uh, have a bit of raw egg white at the end, you can kind of spoon a bit of the oil over the, the uncooked egg white. But in the meantime, my nasi goreng is ready. So I'm going to plate that up while these eggs are frying. So give it a little stir. It is looking so good. Grab my two plates. Okay, this, can I tell you, the color of the nasi goreng, it's a gorgeous kind of golden brown. You've got the color coming in from the ketchup manis and the soy sauce and the turmeric. You wanna divide it onto two plates. It serves two. I've actually made this uh, in batches before to batch cook because with a toddler in tow, <laughs> it's always good to have a few extra spare meals in the freezer and it really does freeze very, very well. So you can batch cook your nasi goreng, but it's so easy to whip up. You don't really have to. So I'm just going to regulate the heat on my fried egg. Uh, it's looking really nice. I'm just going to turn it down a little bit just to let the whites finish off cooking. I don't want it to burn. Uh, we don't need to spoon any oil over the whites because it's looking perfect. So there's steam coming off the plate. It just smells absolutely beautiful. So now I'm going to finish plating up the rest of the garnishes. So for the garnish, I'm going to use um, the sliced red chili that we cut before. I was popping it on each plate. And I've got some crispy fried shallot. This one that I'm using today is store-bought. Uh, but if you wanted to fry your own, it's really simple. Just fill a heavy base saucepan, uh, a third full with oil. Bring the oil to about 140 degrees Celsius or 285 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, slice a whole bunch of shallots, pop them in the oil, and then just cook them for about 12 to 15 minutes until they're about halfway golden. Then turn off the heat, let the shallots cook in the residual heat, and then drain them onto kitchen towel, season with salt. Super easy and you can make your own fried shallots at home. And then I'm just going to add some uh, krupo crackers onto each plate. And uh, krupo crackers, as I mentioned before, are Indonesian traditional crackers. You can substitute it with a prawn or shrimp cracker, but listen to that crunch. Oh, mm, they are so Moorish and so essential for a nasi goreng. Just delicious. So. I'm just going to grab a fork and a spoon because that's how uh, Indonesians would eat their nasi goreng. Spoon in the right hand and uh, 
fork in the left and mm. Mm. that is just so delicious it's a dish I will just never tire of because it feels so celebratory whether you're eating it on a Tuesday night midweek or a weekend and it takes just under 30 minutes to make it's just such an easy meal to whip up I just love eating it mm. yum so I would love to find out how your nasi goreng turned out I want to hear all about it. So leave a review. Tell me how it went. And uh, yeah, definitely get in touch. You can find me on uh, at Lara Lee Food. That's L-A-R-A-L-E-E-F-O-O-D on Instagram or Twitter. Thank you so much for joining me today on Play Me a Recipe. The recipe is linked in the show notes and on food52.com. So happy cooking. Don't forget to eat those krupa crackers. And as Indonesians would say, salamat masak or happy cooking. See you guys. Bye.